You're listening to Working Code. And now your hosts, who wish they were Boolean, so the next time they're wrong, it's only by a bit. Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. So here we go. It's show number 56, January the 5th. It's the first episode of the year. I can't believe it's 2022 already. It's crazy. Seriously, it feels like a birthday. I know we kind of celebrated on episode 52 because that was our full year of episodes, but we kind of started at the beginning of the year. So yeah, yeah, we got serious. We got real mics then and, you know. Got real yeah. good at this. Well, I say good. We got okay. We're doing okay, you guys. We're okay. We're Less okay. bad. Less bad's always a winner. But yeah, we have a great editor named Matt who gave us the suggestion to do a best of 2021. So we're going to roll with that for this episode. And we think you guys are going to have a lot of fun listening to it. There are some good moments on there like um, Adam Spear poop or, you know, <laughs> some parenting advice from me. And there's lots of other things, you know. Tim gets a nice breakthrough, and Ben gets quacked a few times in one. And Ben never gets quacked. Ben's not a cursor. So hopefully you will enjoy some of these moments we've had. Yep. And it was nice to take the week of uh, Christmas off and not have to record. I love talking to you guys, but it was nice to take a week off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Had some great family time for that. Also, I think just a general shout out to Matt. His editing has been just phenomenal. He's edited, what, like the last 30 episodes, something like that, 35 episodes. He is really good. Yeah. I wish I knew off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm so thankful to have Matt. Yes, 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 yes. Great job, Matt. Keep up the hard work. Definitely. I think not all of our episodes are equally awesome. (laughs) And and like coming out of some of the recordings, I'm like, all right, that was an okay show. Like, I don't necessarily feel like I had anything great to say or whatnot. And then Matt works his magic and when I listen to it for the show notes, I'm always like, oh, we sounded so much better than I thought we were going to say. He's really good. He's really good. I'm glad we found him. While we're praising Matt and, and celebrating the fact that we get to have him, we have to praise and celebrate our patrons that make that possible. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Without you guys, we wouldn't have that because that is where your money goes. So thank you. We love you guys. You guys are great. All right. So I guess with that, on with the best of. I'm going to go with a triumph this week, although it doesn't necessarily feel like a triumph emotionally, (laughs) but I have agreed to do a presentation at the upcoming Adobe Developer Week. And uh, yeah, I I don't give a lot of presentations. Mostly I just sit in my uh, office all day, every day. And uh, But I'll tell you, being on this podcast and talking to you, and I've been feeling more connected to my people. Good, me too. Has also like conversely made me feel less connected to a lot of other people and mm. and I and I feel like stepping out of my comfort zone and giving a presentation will help me get back into that uh, feeling of connectedness with the with the broader community but I think you guys have actually really inspired me and made me want to put myself out there nice. so, I'm that's excited awesome. about that that's I'm awesome. stressed as heck <laughs> and uh overwhelmed but I but I think it'll be okay that's your body preparing you like that adrenaline uh, that fear that's your body helping you be prepared to do a good job, right? That that adren- That's what I tell myself before I go on stage, right? And this is kind of getting into our topic for the day is like giving presentations. I think a lot of people feel that that fear of public speaking and that they get that adrenaline rush, especially right before they go on stage. Me personally, yeah. I have two, two uh, pre-presentation routines. One is I go get my fear poop out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Wow. And and two is I remind myself that the adrenaline that I'm feeling is there so that if I see a lion coming, I can run faster than the other people in the room. Right. And and I mean, that's both literal and metaphorical because that's that's, you know, where that evolutionary thing comes from. Right. Is like when your senses are heightened, you're able to perform better. And that's what that adrenaline is all about. Right. It's, it's heightening your senses and making you more aware of how often you say, um, and, um, <laughs> and I go um, saying, um, uh-huh. and, and, uh, and just seeing, you know, and t- sort of time slows down for you. So you feel like you're taking a long time speaking that Forever. sort of thing. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ben, you, you've spoken before, right? I, 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 I'm pretty Many sure I, ago. I, yeah, I, I, so I'm pretty sure I saw you present, I think it was a CF United. I think they've all been at CF United. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and I was super impressed. I mean, I was seriously super impressed. And I never would have imagined a million years that you have the anxiety. Oh, so anxious. Was I, I this t- was this the like love story one y'all talk about all the time well, like, that, that I really one, wish I would have saw? That was a lightning talk. Yeah. yeah, that was a. I think that was a dev objective. That was dev objective. Yeah. Right. yeah, but he did he did a technical presentation. I think in. 2010 something like that on oh, uh, custom tags cold yeah. Fusion custom yeah. tags yeah 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 um, and i was like dude this guy's awesome i i because and i read your blog you were to at that point in my life you were like my hero because everything <laughs> everything i google was like ben uh, you know yeah benadel benadel everything i found was benadel and and you got up there and like gave an awesome presentation and then i got to know you i didn't really meet you that year later i got to hang out with you and i was like wow he's really kind of insecure (laughs) he's a human like me i did a thing what (laughs) congratulations i have uh i gave a presentation yesterday at the adobe cold fusion developer conference uh, that's right and i was stressed out for basically the last month preparing for it i give a presentation about once every seven years so (laughs) like the cicadas yeah it was my time (laughs) (laughs) and i think it went well i was i was pretty pleased my my huge fear was that I was going to be done in like 15 minutes and then have another 45 minutes of asking people if they have questions. But I, I ended up going longer than I thought I would and then had to sort of skim across a few slides at the end. But overall, I didn't stumble too much and I don't think I forgot a lot of things that I wanted to say. So I'm, I was pretty pleased. I'm, a, I'm going hard triumphed this week. They record. They recorded it, right? Yeah, I think it'll all be available. I don't know when after the conference. I couldn't even. You couldn't access even the ones that had been recorded already yet. But I think soon. So I will send links around if anybody ever wants to watch it. But yeah, yeah, yeah send them out. Just spreading the love of Excellent. feature flags. Great job. Our Patreon said, "How do you say? I get lost in the naming of the, all these services." Yep. But even before that, I just don't know why anyone would even start to think about using any of it, mostly because our stuff just runs fine on traditional stuff. It's not like I really need a billion services to run a web app. Maybe explaining why, when and why you'd moved the services would be, uh, I think we covered that. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're outgrowing your server, then it's time to do something else. If you need more yeah. dependability, was that or durability, durability was the word that Ben used. For the, probably the same price that you're paying for a physical server in a data center somewhere, you can have a virtual server or a couple of virtual servers in a couple of different availability zones running your application and, and load balance between the two or even just like a failover scenario so that if one of them were to go offline, then the other one kicks in. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. So he he talked about, you know, why would you move it there? One of the pains that that because we do have a lot of on-prem on-premise hosting that we do ourselves and some of it we can't really ever move that the pricing on a PCI environment in the cloud is just it's well, too far out of reach <laughs> yeah it's pretty out of, yeah so but it's like so you you buy equipment and you the assumption is it's going to have a 5 year lifespan and so you depreciate out that cost of all that for over 5 years for your books but it's like whenever you reach that point where you decide you need to upgrade your routers and your firewalls and your servers there's a period of pain there that you go through going through the changing out that hardware none of that applies when you're dealing with the cloud all that is done magically behind the scenes they are upgrading their hardware constantly and you don't it's completely transparent to you I so, mean, it does still occasionally happen they'll be like you're still on the old hardware and we just need you to reset your box and when it comes right. back up but it'll be on the new stuff that's, that's pretty new. painless yeah. though yeah. i mean yeah that's not oh i need to go offline and replace yep. the entire switch in my data center yep. and spend my saturday <laughs> doing it and- well i configured the firewall wrong and the <laughs> nat wasn't hitting icp correctly <laughs> so uh sorry about the 24 hours of downtime <laughs> while i smoke <laughs> well, uh, i'm gonna Clip my ponytail. <laughs> okay. Wow. So I just got a new rocket book. Do you know what rocket book is? No, I have no idea. So you can Google it. They're called Well, that wasn't books. very kind. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. <laughs> so they come with this nifty little QR code on the page. Okay. 
And then on the bottom, you can't really see them well, and I shouldn't be showing them anyways. There are these little checks. It's a podcast. Yeah. It's kind of hard to see. Sorry, yeah. you guys. So each page comes with a QR code, so you can scan it on your phone. And um, at the bottom, it has these little symbols. It's like a rocket book sign, diamond, and apples, and other things. And whenever I write down my note, I just put a check mark on that circle, or I put any kind of mark on it. So when I scan it, it knows what action to take on that list. So, like, if I mark the very first box on the bottom, it's going to send it to Evernote for my my work notebook. So, it automatically puts it up there. And at the very top of it, you do the double hashtags, the double pounds, sorry, the double pound signs in front of the name and the double after. And that becomes the file name. So, I can be like, oh, for example, we're onboarding someone. So, I have an onboarding document. So, when I scan it, it sends it over to Evernote, which is how I keep track of a lot of my notes. And it automatically goes into my work notebook. And the file is not only a scan of it, it's also the, is it OCR? What is the optical character recognition? Where it basically Mm. reads it to text. So, then Mm -hmm. I can copy and paste out and make another list from it. Yeah. And FYI, if you want to know the price, it's like 30 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. And then you just So if it. only if it were microwavable. Then <laughs> It'd be Why? sexier. Huh? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. Oh, it actually, it is microwave safe. Are you serious? Yeah, it's microwave safe. Does it have a metal spine? Uh, it's kind of rubbery. No, yep. this has to be metal. No, nope, it's, it's not. microwave safe. <gasps> this is absolutely plastic. I, I don't know why you would microwave it, but <laughs> interesting. But yeah, so all you do is after I scan it, I just take a damp cloth and wipe it off. So now I have a new list to go. Oh, yeah. But there's like ten pages okay, on so here it, I can use. So it's not like truly there's a, okay. There's it's a not cal- paper. Yeah, there's a calendar in the front. Wow, there's a list, all that stuff. No, it's reusable. And it's for me, I prefer this over taking notes on like my iPad because I hate that glass feel. Yeah. I don't like, I like to write notes on paper. So I just use is it, pens and yeah. Is it a little less clumsy? Like I, feel, I like dry erase, except for the fact that you have to write so huge on dry erase because no. it feels like it was very clumsy. No, you use regular ink pens. They're okay. just fusion. They're called fusion something. Oh, no. Frickson, yeah. They're erasable ink pens. And instead of using the eraser tip, I just use a dry erase cloth. Anyway, so with my list, I just put little boxes next to the items and they scan in as actual check boxes. Interesting. So I can check them off, copy and paste, and then I erase and start over the next day. And there's my list still there. Or I can leave it on there and keep growing it. But yeah, I like it because it's digital and I can save it. So it lets you create a digital artifact by writing in a notebook and then taking a picture of it with your phone. Yes, because I love to handwrite things. I yeah. remember things by writing them down. And because I spend so much time writing code and on my computer, I don't like taking notes on my computer. Hmm. I really like writing in a notebook for whatever reason. It's just how my brain takes down information very right. well. So, yeah, so I create my to-do list in my rocket book now and I scan it in and it goes to Evernote or it goes... I can have it send uh, another checkbox can send it to Slack. Hmm. I can be like, Slack this, please. Hmm. So can you update the same document? Like if you just picking something at random, if you were making like a to-do list and you have a to-do list going in Evernote, yeah. when you do a to-do list tomorrow, will it append to the same to-do list or is it a new document? What it's done so far is it creates a new, but because it creates that text version of it at the bottom, I just copy it out and put it in the next one. I put it in the old one and delete the the one I just scanned. So it takes the image and then I also have it set to read it to text. And then I just copy hmm. and paste into yesterday's. Okay. And that way I have one document going. I, it says there's a way to do it. I just haven't figured it out yet. Is yours the Rocketbook Wave? Mm-mm, I have the Rocketbook uh, Fusion. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't put that microwave then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> important to know. Yeah. Important to know. The micro, the rocket book wave. I was Googling this while you're talking. You, you actually do to erase it. You put it in the microwave for, oh. yeah, you put it in and it will act for a couple minutes and it will basically wipe all the ink off. That's yeah. really cool. What? Uh, yeah. See, okay. So for taking my notes and to do's, I use an etch a sketch and then when I'm done, I just <laughs> shake <laughs> I remember. Going on vacation and I don't take a lot of vacation. It just doesn't, I don't know. I don't know how to relax. So I remember going on vacation for like a week and a half, one time a couple of years ago. And I'm one of those people who even when I'm on vacation, I'm just occasionally checking my Slack, mostly because I like to know that 
what's going on? Like, I just like to have my finger on the pulse of the company and the people on my team and who's doing what. And I find it very interesting. But when I came back, it's like everything was fine. There were no fires. There weren't any huge incidents. So there was my absence did not cause a problem. So, yeah, so that was kind of sad for me. Uh, part of me always wants to feel like the work that I do is indispensable. That mm-hmm. even though there are other people who can do the things that I do, I like to think that I can do them in an extra special way or I can, or I bring a combination of skills together and I apply them to problem solving in a way that maybe other people can't do. And that may be true, but it, it's not true to the point that work stops when I leave. And it's very humbling. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you and I both started as early stage employees at a really small company and the companies are growing at different rates, but they're growing. And I think that your feelings that you're expressing there are very much influenced by the, those years where you, like in the early days, in the first year, if you had walked away, there's probably a really good chance that would have had a significant negative impact on the company, if not killed it, right? Like, I don't know how, how long it was before you guys got funding and really staffed up, but that's a great point. It, in none of my self evaluation did it occur to me that I was maybe actually super critical at one point and now I'm no longer that. That's, that's a great point. If I had come into a larger company that was very established, mm-hmm. yeah, would I feel this way? After time, I'd like to think that I feel this way, but I think you're right. I think my early experience at a tiny startup where everybody was to some degree critical because we were always understaffed and overburdened and everything was mm-hmm. on fire all the time. It's like, you just need people to show up. You need bodies there to get the stuff done. But right now, people can take vacations and even if something explodes, like there's people there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then there's, it's also a little freeing. Like I can understand how it's, it kind of, maybe it hurts your pride or something. It would hurt my pride and it does hurt my pride to think about how I used to be mission critical, <laughs> keystone sort of player. And now I've had to sort of relinquish some of that status for lack of a better word. But at the same time, it's a little bit freeing, right? So it, it's, that's a stressful state of mind to be in, to, to know I have to do this or this company that I don't have anything against is going to crumble without me. I mean, it's that I think is a little bit of uh, hubris or like, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, maybe it's true to an extent, that sort of thing. But I'm sure there's at least an element of truth to it in the beginning there. And to lose that or to give it up willingly is a big change and, and a lot to change the way you think and feel about. Yeah. I mean, I brought it up the last episode, I believe it was, when we were talking about promotions and responsibilities and stuff. I've been in a spot where it felt like if I walked away, things were going to crumble. And Mm -hmm. it was not a good feeling. Like That is very stressful. And you carry that home with you every night. And when I finally did leave, I mean, customers were calling me personally and begging me to not leave because they were worried about the like the state of their systems after I left. And I'm like, okay, can't play this card on me. Right. I have to make these decisions for myself, but now to be able to take a week vacation and not even have the urge to check Slack. I love that. I want no responsibility. (laughs) You guys life's just easier that way, but I get what you're saying. I get the whole you kind of built this baby and now it's kind of like my kid going off to college. Yeah, I don't, he doesn't need me to survive anymore. I don't have to make sure that he has his four course meal and he's eating a balanced breakfast. He's doing it himself. And sometimes that does make me sad that he doesn't have a need for me anymore. If I weren't here anymore, he would be fine and he would move on with his life and things would be good. And that makes me, makes me sad a little bit. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good metaphor. It shows that you've done your job as a parent, right? You created this being and gave it the skills to survive without you. Yep. And the the same is true for a company or an application or can be true. Oh, so, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, if you think of it like that, Ben, you took your baby and you set it up well and it's doing okay now. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying makes total sense. This is not at all how I thought this discussion was going to go. So when you gave us this sort of prompt about this episode, you so what you said was exactly, I quoted it here. They keep asking me where my place is in the company uh, in the future. I never know how to answer that question. 
And I was coming into this thinking we were going to have to give you like tough love. Like Ben, you have to be intentional about building your career. And I'm thinking you're kind of a timid person, which is not that I don't think anybody has that, uh, that mental picture of you when, uh, when they look at you, right? You are a well-built, strong individual. It's a teddy bear. (laughs) You are a teddy bear. You look like hardcore, but you just want to squish you and hug you. (laughs) And yeah. And so like I was, I came in, I wrote notes down. I came in prepared to give you like some tough love and, I'm about to parent you, Ben. Tough love. Well, okay. So, if maybe there's somebody out there listening to this who needs this advice, right? So, career building is a thing, right? You can come in and punch the clock and write the software to the spec that you're given, and then punch out and go home. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what? It's not. But but the four of us, no. But right, right, right. The possibility when you if you assume that role, there's a much higher likelihood that life is going to surprise you, right? You're going to get laid off or you're going to get moved mm-hmm. to a department and have to do something you hate or who knows what. Intentional about your career building, for me, the way I look at it is like, I have sort of short-term goals and long-term goals and I try to work those things backwards, right? So long-term goals, where do I want to be? Where do I want to be when I retire? And what can I set as short-term goals that will be like stepping stones for me to get there? And then for those short-term goals, what do I need to do from where I am now to get there? Right. So sort of working backwards. All right. Like, so you want to have Thanksgiving dinner on the table at 2 p.m. The turkey's hot. The mashed potatoes are hot, you know. Mm-hmm. And so how do you time everything? You have to work backwards from that. Right. The turkey takes a lot longer to cook than the mashed potatoes. So you have to schedule things. And so I like that idea of working backwards, like pick a goal and maybe my goal will change before I get there. But I'm being intentional about, OK, this is what I need to accomplish to get to that goal. And let me ask you yeah. a question quickly. And maybe this uh, completely unrelated, but I know that we have joked about in the chat to get your kids uh-huh. on a bus yeah. at 7 30 a.m. You're planning for that at 9 p.m. the day before. And like, do you feel that having kids has helped you with mm. longer term thinking? Or do you think you've just always been a long term planner and having kids is totally? I think that, that having kids could be something that would help people that are not already long-term planners. But I personally have been a long-term thinker for a long time. I'm a terror. I I can think like a week ahead of time and anything beyond that feels very overwhelming Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. And I mean, this is something I struggle with my kids. They are, they see whatever's right in front of their face and nothing beyond that. And that that is very difficult Mm -hmm. when you're trying to motivate them to do something or to try to get them to learn a lesson. It's like, don't egg my shed because then somebody has to clean it up. (laughs) Right. They're, they're just like, but it's fun to throw <laughs> eggs at the shed. <laughs> right. So I, I will say, I think having kids does help you with the long term vision planning because we're looking at Peyton going, dude, you're a junior. Yeah. You need to be touring colleges. You need to be studying for your ACT. You think that's next year. Well, yeah, next year is going to be here before you know it and you're not going to be prepared for it. So it does force you to kind of take the initiative to teach them those long-term planning skills. So I think it does help. I had a very similar conversation with my oldest a couple of nights ago at dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, That he has to go to college next (laughs) year. He's (laughs) 12. Take the SAT now. Not that conversation, but the conversation, the sort of the meta conversation we're having here about planning, right? So I told him like, you're going into the seventh grade now. The, The number one thing you need to learn over the course of the next two years is how to learn. Girls are evil. No, that's a different, that's a social learning (laughs) school wise. (laughs) The thing you need to learn is how to learn because then you're going to high school and that's where it counts. That's what colleges are going to look at. If you choose to go to college, you have to have performed reasonably well at high school to get into a college that you want to go to. And I told him about how I struggled because so growing up, I was the kid who did really well in school without trying. And so mm-hmm. I coasted on that until about like 10th grade, somewhere around 10th and 11th. And then the subjects got hard. And just like that, I start, I dropped from like an all A student to like all C minuses and D's in like one semester. Because you didn't know because how to I, study. You didn't exactly. know how to learn. And yeah. so that's what I was talking to him about. It's like, we got to figure out what works for you. And, and he knows he has ADHD mm-hmm. and we talk about like, this is what's difficult for you. And how do we, how do we talk about writing things down, even though nobody else is writing it down sort of thing? Like just whatever, mm-hmm. got to find what works for you so that you can be successful. And yep. yeah, that planning ahead stuff. 
So uh, Brian asked, uh, what are the dangers or benefits of quote unquote cloud lock-in? And do you think they're, they're overblown? Is it maybe just a case of trading one set of problems for another? Yes. Yes. And yes. <laughs> yeah. So vendor lock-in is always sort of the thing. It's like, oh, I can't just use AWS. I've got to use AWS and Azure and GCP because I don't want to be locked into one. Mm. No. Now you have three sets of problems instead of one. Seriously. The whole multi-cloud thing, the people that I listen to, they're like, just don't do it. It's a nightmare. And the more I've looked at it, I'm like, I wouldn't want to do that either. As Tim was saying, it's hard enough to keep just what's in AWS in your mm-hmm. head. Now you're trying to mm. keep what's in AWS in your head and what's in Google in your head and what's in Azure in your head. And they all do things differently. Is there lock-in? Sure, on a certain degree, but there's lock-in when you choose to write in Python, when you choose to write in Node, when you choose to use MySQL versus SQL Server or heaven forbid, Oracle. Or Postgres. There's <laughs> Postgres. Postgres, right. There's always a certain degree of lock-in there, right? I mean, how many people have actually moved their databases? Right from from MySQL to Postgres or Oracle to Postgres or whatever. Tim's raising his hand. He's saying, that's me. <laughs> it's not really common because it's really super difficult to do. And there's a, in part, a sunk cost fallacy there, but there's also, it's like, this is not our, what we should be doing. There's not, unless there's an extraordinarily good reason to switch from one to the other, which there rarely is, you know, yeah. I don't, it's not worth it. And for me, I'm like, look, yes, I'm not in a business where I have to worry about AWS being a competitor to me. I get why Walmart was like, okay, we need to get off AWS and move elsewhere. And our vendors should not be on AWS as well because we don't want them looking at our traffic and our access patterns. Because AWS does that. They're really upfront. They're like, hey, look, we develop new services based on the traffic and access patterns and questions that our current customers ask us. So if we see lots of people doing, you know, ML analysis on, you know, customer interactions or purchases, then we're going to build a service around that to help abstract some of that work away for people. And we're going to use it ourselves. I mean, remember that Pretty much everything that Amazon builds into AWS is a service that they use themselves or have used themselves first. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Lookout for Vision, whatever that is, you know, that's the it's a machine learning service to help find defects in products that are created in a factory, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, why would AWS do that? Well, think about the number of products that AWS actually makes themselves mm-hmm. that they sell on Amazon. Right. Right. It's Amazon selling building products and on Amazon. So they're doing that. They have the service and they're going to sell it to other industrial customers who build products and they can like have a machine learning algorithm that sort of looks at the pictures and like, ah, there's a defect in that one. Pull it off the line. Right. So they, this is what they do. They eat their own dog food every single day of the year, which is not, can't always be said about Google and can't always be said about Azure and the products and services mm-hmm. that they provide. Although Microsoft does a lot more dog fooding um, than Google does. So I don't know. I'm getting off topic there. Sorry. Uh, but lock in. No, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. AWS is not going anywhere. Azure is not going right. anywhere. I wish I could say that Google Cloud is not going anywhere. But um, if it doesn't become no. prof- profitable in a couple of years, I wouldn't be surprised if they say you have a, a 90 day time or a 12 month timeline to get off Google Cloud. Um, <laughs> well, really? Wow. Seriously. I, I agree. Totally agree with you, Brian, because I mean, the things like I say, we use a lot of AWS and, and the the reason we continue to stay with it is because one, I mean, if you look at AWS's or Amazon's budget, most of their money comes from AWS. Yep. I mean, Amazon.com and all that, it's, they make some money, but not nearly as much. Everything is funded by AWS, right? So that's driving their profits. They're going to continue uh, I'm pretty to sure in it. It's didn't Jeff Bezos just use the, the profits from Amazon and AWS to take a four minute vacation in outer space? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but did. you know what? That's a drop. That's a drop in the bucket. It's a total drop in the bucket. And, and they're going to, I just feel they're going to be around, right? They're, they they have a foothold in it and that's their money maker. So if they're making money off of it, yeah. they're going to keep it around. So if, if it's going to die, it's going to be because like some great new thing comes out of the blue and that hasn't yeah. happened yet. So don't worry. Don't premature. The optimize. thing that I worry about is all the other competitors dying off and then Amazon going, oh, yeah. we have a monopoly. Our price has just tripled. Yeah. Well, they kind of did have a monopoly for a good while. I mean, Azure wasn't a thing for a while. Google, I mean, they're all pretty new compared to them. One thing that, Brian, earlier you had talked about undifferentiated heavy lifting. And I think part of the benefit of buying into a vendor whole hog is that you get to outsource some of the nitty gritty stuff that you would have had to deal with. Like earlier you had mentioned step functions. And I don't exactly know what step functions are, but I assume if you weren't using step functions, you would have to do some sort of queue choreography where you're taking like messages off of one queue and then putting them onto a next queue but like that doesn't you're not in the business of building queue management right so like why build that when you can be concentrating on product development 
Absolutely. There, there's function. There are functions that you love less than the functions you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but right, no, that it is. It's one of the real benefits when you're using it. When you buy into AWS or, or GCP or Azure, use everything. Seriously, use everything because that's where the real power right. lies. Tapping into not just one service, but services tapping into other services. And of course, AWS and GCP and Azure are happy to take all your money, right? Because <laughs> these services cost money at the end of the day. But it gives you a set of options uh, that you wouldn't otherwise have. And it's just easier to write stuff. Which reminds me that this episode is of Working Code is brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends. Kim <laughs> 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 wants to tell you how long he's been playing and enjoying yeah, the that's game. That's right. Here's my favorite character, guys. <laughs> Look at her. Look at her. She's, wear- she's wearing a metal bikini. <laughs> How cool is that? We're like a real podcast now. We have an actual, honest-to-goodness sponsor. Um, and so, what? Yeah. So get this. We talk a lot on this show about books. And we like to read them. We do technical books. We've talked about other like sort of fictional stuff that we liked. And so it just so happens that we are getting sponsored by Audible. So cool. Yeah. So basically, I mean, you guys have heard this pitch a million times, I'm sure, from all the other podcasts and YouTube and everything. But I mean, so you know how it works, right? You go to audibletrial.com slash working code pod. That's us. And you get a free trial. So what is it? It's a 30 day free trial of of Audible. And that gets you a free book of your choosing. Doesn't have to be anything, but we'll give you some of our suggestions here in a minute. The Phoenix Project. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Oh, I'm ahead (laughs) of myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Put a pin in that. We'll come back. (laughs) And so you get a free 30 day trial. You get to pick a free book. You get access to their Audible Originals, which is other audio content. There's, uh, they have all kinds of weird stuff, right? So they have podcasts on there. There's like theatrical performances. Mm-hmm. There's like meditations, all kinds of stuff, comedy. And, and then obviously podcasts. And this podcast, if you're interested, is available on Audible, if you didn't yeah. know that. And I, I was just actually, before we started yes, recording is. here tonight, I was checking out their web player for podcasts. And it's really nice. Like all the speed settings and everything are really nice in there. So I really liked it. Yeah. So like it'll benefit us. It costs you nothing. Go get an Audible trial, audibletrial.com slash working code pod. And we would really appreciate that. Now, wow, I think- he sounds so official. Oh, I know. Right? Working code on us. So cool. That's us, you guys. Ooh, it's failure time. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to roll this failure right into the show topic here. The day before Thanksgiving at 3.30 a.m., my phone started going crazy. It, it was this loud screeching. I thought it was like a, an Amber Alert. I don't know if anyone gets Amber yeah. Alerts on their phone sometimes where it's, or like a flash flood warning. Like yep. it was that kind of panic. And I pick up the phone. I'm looking at it through groggy eyes here and it starts to, I said, I'm getting a call also. So I answer the call and it's pager duty. I am on a team that deals with a legacy platform. I've been paged like three times in my entire life. Oh boy. So immediately I'm like, this can't be good. Nope. I run to my desk. You're like, they got the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> desk. Uh, I am in various stages of undress. Uh, so I jump into our incident channel on Slack and uh, it turns out one of the guys on one of the other teams had paged me explicitly. So I touch base with him. I say, Hey, what's going on? He says, Hey, there's some API endpoints that are just returning 500 server errors on every single request. So I look at the logs and I don't see anything in the logs at all, which is weird. And I look in the metrics and I don't really see anything interesting in the metrics. Again, it's a very legacy part of the application, so it was not instrumented very well. So I jump into a feature flag that allows me to turn on special lower level, basically tracing and debugging level logs, which we don't normally emit in production. I turn that on and suddenly my logs just exploding with 500 errors. And it was very confusing at first what I was seeing. So I look at the error message and I dig down into the code and, and I'm seeing it where it's that error is being thrown and it looked like maybe something malicious was happening. Like it's a guard statement that a user should really never run into. It should just be something that, that only if you were trying to break the system, you'd get. So I was still very confused and I'm looking up a record in the database and I'm realizing that the record in the database doesn't actually match what's in the error message. And I'm looking at it and I had this moment of realization and I'm not one who curses, right? I never, I never really curse on this call. I'm not a very salty individual, but I'm just like, 
I was like, I couldn't, it, it was like all of my worst fears had come, had just come to fruition all of a sudden. Ben had a, a sudden case of Tourette syndrome. Yo, it was, with, with it one was big crazy. quack. Oh my God. It was, it was awful. The moment I realized exactly what was happening. What was it? So, which was that all of our primary keys in our database are supposed to be unsigned integers. So we use a MySQL, so this may not be relevant for all different databases, but in MySQL, numeric columns, whether they're tiny ints or medium ints or big ints or ints, can be defined as signed or unsigned. And essentially, if it's signed, it means it can go both negative and positive. So I don't know the exact numbers offhand, but a regular int column can handle something like negative 2.1 billion up to positive 2.1 billion. And if you're going to create an unsigned in, essentially you shift all of that into the positive space. So instead of going from negative 2.1 to positive 2.1, you go from zero to 4.2 billion. So you essentially, on an auto-incrementing column, it doubles the amount of integers you can store. So most of our on primary- On one key- table? Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For, for that one column. That right, for that one column. Okay. So our primary keys are typically unsigned ins, and if they're not, it's a mistake. Now. We have secondary columns in other tables that reference primary keys in, in another table, like a foreign key, but we don't actually have foreign key constraints configured. And two different columns, which are referencing this one primary key, were defined as signed ints. So they oh. can only go up to 2.1 billion, whereas the primary key they were referencing can go up to 4.2 billion. Was that a mm-hmm. mistake? That was a mistake. Okay. And at about 1 a.m. that morning, so about two and a half hours before I was paged, the primary key in the one table surpassed what could be stored in a signed in, and suddenly all it's breaking rights, the constraint. Yeah, all rights to that other table that had these two secondary columns referencing that primary key started refusing to be written, mm-hmm. and it basically broke a very high volume area of the application. It didn't take the application completely offline. Everything that didn't touch that one particular table was completely fine. It's just that table is really critical in one very high volume workflow. But wait, I thought you said that it really shouldn't be getting access because you thought this was just in a guard statement. So it got really weird. Okay, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> well, we as we're digging into what was going wrong, it turns out that not only were these foreign key constraints not having the appropriate data type. They were signed ins when they should have been unsigned ins. Well, our prepared statements, so ColdFusion, one of the core tenets of the ColdFusion language dating back to like 15 years ago was SQL injection is terrible and we're essentially going to design a language that makes SQL injection impossible. So Mm -hmm. with their CF query tags and their CF query pram tags, they made it just very, very trivial to prevent SQL injection, and you mm-hmm. do it with these parameter bindings inside of prepared statements. And when you create a parameter within a prepared statement, you tell it what type of data you're writing into. So you're saying this is a varcar field, or this is a an, an int, or a big int, yeah. or, a, or a tiny int, or a, a bit column. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, the CF SQL integer parameter binding can only handle signed integers because it it's being validated as a signed Java int under the hood. So even though we have primary keys that are using unsigned ints in the database, the parameter binding for the queries that we're using to talk to that database can't handle the unsigned int. So going back to Carol's question, the guard statement, what happened was in Lucy CFML, which is what we were using, it doesn't throw an error. If you if you use something that goes above a Java 32-bit signed int, it'll just quietly truncate it to be whatever the max <gasps> integer is and just pass that through to the database. So oh, if you said, terrible. hey, oh, wow. oh it's that's so terrible. terrible. That's terrible. That's, oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's why we were getting these really bizarre guard statements because someone was saying, like, hey, give me this record with my ID, and my ID is really high. And the wrong ID was being passed through to the database and that's, or or it was being passed down to the database and we were getting the wrong record back. And that's why I was saying like, Hey, you're asking for a record that you shouldn't be having access to. Now, luckily, I mean, 
on the face of it, that's like a terrible security incident waiting to happen because you're essentially saying, hey, I'm authorized to, to request this ID. I can get it. But you're yeah. getting the wrong records back the from right. the database. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm telling you, when I realized this, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is so I'm thinking the same words in my head right now. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so ridiculous. I mean, but funny, mine are quacks in my head. That's odd. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about what's going on there. So just by grace and coincidence, we happen to then have that guard statement that was doing one additional check to say, like, is this record something? It was a contextual check. It was basically saying this record that you asked for, is it part of, is it owned by the correct parent object? And it wasn't because the wrong data was coming back and the, and the whole thing was blowing up and saying, hey, you're doing something you're not supposed to. Like, had we not had that, that we would have been, again, effed. We would have been totally effed. Would have so, been a I big mean, data leak. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to go grab this photo. And if I have the photo ID, I'm good to get it. But you weren't checking to make sure that the photo was actually owned by that user, right? Is that a good? Right, because we yeah. had already validated parts of the data yeah. before it went to the database. But then, I mean, but your guard statement is what did that second check, right? It was like, well, right. you got the photo, but do you actually own that photo? And, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So in the heat of the moment, it seemed very, very, very terrible. I mean, uh, and, you know, a, a very important part of the system was down. So it was very terrible. But as sort of the moment cooled and we had some more time to think about what was going on from a security standpoint, it was less of a dumpster fire than it could have been because the values were being truncated, but they were always being truncated to the same ID, which was the max signed in. Yeah. So could we have leaked data? Yes. But the blast yeah, radius. Record. Yeah. Yeah. The blast radius of the problem would have been. Everybody got the same picture. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like things broke really bad, but they broke in, a, in an order that actually saved us from having a, a lot worse of a situation. And, and it wasn't a bad actor that was taking advantage of it. That's this was just true. the yes. system itself because of constraints in the database. One time, I was never a salesperson, but I've always had relationships with clients. And this is just a crazy moment from many years ago. This is several companies ago. I was on a call with a client and we were doing a screen share. I don't, I don't even remember what technology it was like. WebEx or something. I don't know what, what the thing was back then. And the company was small. Everybody was in one big room, essentially. And I'm on my computer and I'm doing the screen share with the client. And all of a sudden, I can't type anything. Like I start typing and it's just like gobbledygook shows up wherever my field is. And I'm like panicking and I'm trying to fix stuff. And I open up my instant messenger and I'm trying to message my boss and, and everything inside the instant messenger is going crazy. Your dog was standing on the keyboard. (laughs) At least that would have been reasonable. So at one point I, I, I tell the client I have to call them back. And so I get off the phone and I go over to my boss's desk and I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I have a virus or something. And he was like, dude, I'm totally messing with you. I changed your, your keyboard settings. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh no. He, he had from his computer, I don't know how networking and all that stuff. Like he, he did, he was the tech guy. He had, while I was on the call, thought it would be funny to change like the language settings on my keyboard <laughs> and, and then oh, like no. remapped all the keys. <laughs> it was now Dvorak instead of QWERTY oh, no. or a different language. Yeah. It was, it was a young company. And it was, that's an awesome prank though. <laughs> that is a great prank. That's good. A bad time to do it, but a great prank. Mm-hmm. No, he knew I was on a call. That was the craziest part. Right. Yeah. Like, oh my God. So I'm a relational database fan. Um, I like, we use MySQL. I happen to use MySQL. I grew up on Microsoft SQL. Did I mention I use Postgres? <laughs> I knew it was <laughs> this episode. Yeah, it's <laughs> and years okay. ago, Sorry. someone introduced MongoDB into our application. And I have nothing against MongoDB, but it, now it's like, now there's two databases that we have to interact with. Is that like starting a sentence with, I don't want to be racist, but <laughs> <laughs> MongoDB yeah. sucks. Like, there, there are, are still places in the code where I look at the queries that are hitting our MongoDB d- database. And the query is where the ID equals the ID as a number or the ID equals the ID as a string. <laughs> because there's no schema at the document level. And at some point, someone wrote code that was inserting IDs as a string and none of those were coming back. <laughs> so it's like, wow, you opted to choose a database that had no schema validation, which is fine. 
Yeah. But then when you realize there was a problem, you didn't then go back and clean up your data. Right. You just added janky code that patched over that problem. <laughs> See, now that's I not could, okay. I could point that mirror back at myself and say, I've noticed that happening and I have not gone back and cleaned up the data either. <laughs> It's like, not my mess. I didn't well, do that. So you get to make the assumption that they didn't clean it up because they tried cleaning it up and something very bad happened. So you just leave it. Just leave it. So That's right. Assume the best yeah, of people, Yeah, they right? tried to fix it. Yeah. I don't even know where I was going with that rant. Other than to say, uh, I look at, I, I'm not picking on MongoDB. It's just point of mind for me. And I look at the way we use MongoDB and we use it basically like, it's a text area. It's not like we're doing fancy document right. level manipulations where we're like pushing onto arrays or incrementing sub keys. Like there's nothing interesting happening. It's basically all get me this JSON blob where this ID equals this ID. So it's nothing you couldn't have done with a it's relational It's nothing you couldn't right. have done with a relational database. And now it's two different databases that have to be kept online with high and availability. See, that's just annoying. And you've you got segmented yeah. data, right? You can't, I mean, how do you run report? I don't know if any, there's any need for reporting on both of those things. Yeah, like what's the relationship between that data even? Oh, it, it, it's the same. You know, I, I think I had ranted on a previous episode about how we have React, and this is not a dig on React. We have React <laughs> being rendered in. <laughs> I don't be racist, but <laughs> some of my best friends are, re- are React programmers. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, I, we broke Ben, guys. We we broke Ben. <laughs> we might have to take a break. <laughs> wow, I thought Carol turned red. And my vein didn't pop as much as yours did that time. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> All right, so you know some people who write React. <laughs> All right, anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, well, so there's a couple of topics that I think that are at least top of mind for me in recent time. And one of them is about this journey between going from an engineer to a product manager. I'm very biased in the sense that I think a lot of great product managers come from engineering backgrounds, since that's sort of where I came from as well. And so I've always been on the lookout and helping other engineers make this jump in transition. I think there's definitely a style of an engineer who, if you're like me, got to a point where realizing there's only so much you can do as an individual contributor writing code, right? There's only systems so complex you can build in the time that you've got. And I just found sort of product management as a cheat, which is we can build bigger things when I can lead product across 10 engineers, right? And then we can get them all working together. And that's largely how you build the cooler, bigger stuff. And so for me, that was like an engineering kind of strategy of, I just want to build bigger stuff that's more impactful. I can't do it alone. And so product management was the right place for me to move into to basically be able to corral that energy and get everybody on the right page. And I think there's certain types of engineers who kind of gravitate towards that. And I, I always recommend if that's something you're interested in, that that not to be too concerned about switching careers or jumping into product management. There's definitely a pathway there. And at least in a lot of the organizations I've been in, and, and especially at the organization at Spotify, is very, I'd say, it's a lot easier to teach things like how to be a PO and, and manage a backlog, MVPs and stakeholder management. Those are things that are tons of books out there and training on. But what it's really hard to do is to have that technical background and that empathy, especially on the developer side of things. That's something that just comes through experience. And those most engineers have that, right? They, they may not realize that they've got it and they're using that tool, but it's there. And so it's pretty easy to make that jump. I'm always usually on the lookout for engineers who are looking to make that jump, especially when we're talking about platform engineers or, or platform product management or research product management, because we, we tend to really excel there with technical backgrounds. So if there's anybody out there who's been thinking about whether product management's for them and concerned about making a big career change, I'd say go for it and find a pathway that you can do it. But in general, the other piece about product management and learning, it's historically has been a apprentice mentorship type of approach, at least for me and in, in my generation and, and seeing it even moving forward. There isn't a lot of like structure to going to school to become a product manager. There's, mm-hmm. there's some ability to start now, but largely it does 
tend to come from finding someone who's been doing this job for a while and learning from them, getting into the trenches, learning on the job, but then having somebody who can at least provide some mentorship there. And so another key piece there is being able to establish relationships with other product managers, definitely ones who are a little bit more senior, because product management is a craft that you never stop learning. It's similar to engineering. There's always something new on an engineering front that you've got to be learning to, to stay current. Product management is one of those things where if I ever run into a product management who's as though I'm an expert in all things, I'm pretty much good at all of this. I don't need to learn anything. That's usually a red flag because it's (laughs) constantly dynamic and changing. And as I mentioned, that spectrum, you may be very good at managing a backlog and being the PO, but you may not be as strong on strategy or you may not be as strong on the advocacy and the socialization and the go-to-market pieces. And so... Mm. It's always a learning piece and hence finding good mentors and finding other product managers you can learn from because not a lot of the stuff is written down. It's also very specific to the types of products you're building or the industry that you're serving and the users that you're after. And so therefore, you have to find people that are in that same space as you. Tim, uh, what do you got going on? So I have a triumph. I'll call it a triumph. I, I, I think I understand myself a little bit better this week than I did last week. And I didn't bring it up last week because I was in the midst of it. But I, I think I sort of have, I don't know if you call it seasonal depression or not, mm-hmm. but I realize a pattern in my life that every year, like when May rolls around, I get extremely happy and excited, and energetic because it's summer vacation, right? You're getting out of school and you look, you look forward to that all year and you get there and it's awesome. And then when August starts to get close, I get really in a bad funk. I mean, a bad, bad funk because school's starting. And mm-hmm. I, so last week I just, this was beyond mo- burnt. It was, I wasn't burnt out. I just, I didn't want to do anything at mm-hmm. all. I, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to wash, shave. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. And I had to, but I just, I honestly, I hope no one from work is listening to this. <laughs> but I honestly <laughs> did the absolute minimum. I needed to get through that week. And it finally dawned on me like around, I think Friday, I think after talking to you guys, because I wasn't, you know, normally I think about what am I putting off? What am I avoiding? And I was avoiding everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Mm. And the reason I realized is because the kids were going back to school and my body was telling me it's time to go back to school. And growing up, I was the shortest kid in school until like ninth grade. I mean, I got picked on relentlessly. I mean, I was bullied badly and uh, I just stuffed it down, just, I was just stuffed it down. And that's sort of how my sense of humor, I became like, sort of like the cut down king. I couldn't beat you up, but man, I could tell you all about your mama and make people cry with verbal attacks. And, and it's been, you know, what I'm, I'm what, 50 years old now. I'm just finally realizing I, when it's time to go back to school, it doesn't matter. I'm not going back to school. But my body goes into fight mode and fear mm. mode because I'm just so yeah. scared. And as soon as my kids went back to school, we checked them in. They got their classes this week. I've been great. I mean, because I started Monday. So it's like it just like a flight switch. So I know myself better. I, I think next year I just need to prepare myself mentally. Yeah. I mean, it almost sounds like like for real, yeah, like PTSD for from sure. it. Like. You have those trigger things. Yeah. It, it really yeah. happens. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I talked to our general manager and I explained to her. I told her what I, once I figured out, I was like, look, I, she's like, I haven't heard much from you this week. And I just told her exact kind of exactly what I told you guys. And I'm like, I'm just not in a good place right now. So they're supportive and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. But yeah. Well, so that's good. That's key. So we've mentioned, I think previously that I basically watch no broadcast television and stick mostly to YouTube. And so you know, I follow a lot of people on YouTube and I listen to a bunch of podcasts of my favorite creators on YouTube. And it's kind of fun to see a little bit behind the curtain of their industry. And one of the things that I think keeps coming up is that you'll see them say like, sometimes you just have to post something, you know, they're talking about posting videos on their channel, they have to post something that is not necessarily their best work, they're not super proud of it. But they are on a schedule, maybe they have a sponsor to get their video out for whatever. And Ultimately, I think where they land is like, sometimes you just have to phone it in. Like not everything you do is going to be your best work. Not every week is going to be your best week of the year. And you have to give yourself that leeway to, to okay, that was a down week and I'm going to do better next week. Yeah. I, I was yeah. just tempted just to take some time off, but it's like, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to stay in bed and feel sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as the bullying goes, that stopped when I 
finally shot up and I took weight training like every day in school and got a bunch more muscular and you know, went, went up to 5'11". That immediately stopped all the bullying. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, and you were talking in one of the previous episodes about, didn't the janitor step in and was like really yeah. important to you? Yeah. 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 I think that might've been in your origin story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He saved my butt mm-hmm. in middle school. Yeah. I, I definitely feel better in the summer with the light. So I don't know if I would get seasonal effect disorder. It's harder for me in the winter months. Ironically though, I really enjoy when I wake up and it's still dark out because it makes the world feel a lot smaller and cozier. Hmm. I find if I wake up and it's already light out, I feel like I've lost part of the day, even though I'm like, Oh, I'm losing time here. Completely get it. I grew up on a farm. You get it. Okay. So are we done here? I, I do want to end with a poem that I love. <laughs> <laughs> First spit take of the okay. show. If I can read scripture, you can read the poem. Yeah. Okay. This, this one actually it mentions God in it, so I feel like we're tit for tat. Okay, here we go. All right, this is Marianne Williamson's poem, Our Deepest Fear. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. <laughs> I, I love this poem. And, and I, think, I think it connects to the topic because when you love what you do to a certain degree, it gives you the freedom to truly express yourself and to do the things that you feel need to be done because you can let go of some of the fear that you might have otherwise. And, and as you do that and people see you doing that, you, you allow other people to feel that same love in the work that they do because they see it's possible in others. Hmm. So I love that poem. Your heart matters. (laughs) Okay. Should we do 10 years or do you think that's too much for one show? Oh man, I would like to retire in 10 years. That would be nice. I I don't think my doge is going to pay off that much by then. Well, (laughs) so my doge might not pay off, but the perk of having a kid, having my boys really young is that it does mean later in life. I don't need the big house. I don't need the tuition Mm. accounts. I don't have so much to support. So it does give me the opportunity of my math's right to retire earlier than most of my peers who will still be putting kids through college and still be supporting big family lives. And I won't have that. So I, I do plan to retire early. That's a good point. I mean, my youngest is 10 right now, so it'll be another eight years in theory, right? If everything goes according to tradition before he's out of the house and potentially for good. Yeah. I am a year and a half away from, well, less than that now. Yeah. Like a year and yeah, a year and a half away from my youngest graduating high school. Wow. And I mean, you're a couple of years younger than me. So yeah. Yeah, And 36. Okay. You're not just a couple of years like younger than me. My my wife listens to this podcast occasionally (laughs) and she's always like, Carol is my hero. She's just awesome. (laughs) Meanwhile, my wife is like, you're not offended that I don't listen to your podcast, right? Well, if we're talking about people, mine got a Patreon. Hey, like he joined to come like hang out with us to be super supportive. Right? He's so sweet. Yeah. That's so sweet. Tell her that I'm super happy she said that because I don't, I definitely don't, I struggle with that insecurity on my own that I just, I don't feel like. I contribute, so I really oh, appreciate you, that. Carol, you contribute. I, I You guys know <laughs> I have lunch with uh, one of our patrons and my former boss regularly. Patreon. And he, almost every time that we go out to lunch, has positive comments to say about all three of you guys. 
Oh, um, but nothing about uh, you. Well, Sorry, yeah. Adam. <laughs> He's, you know, he strokes my ego every time that we go out to lunch. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but he, he always he, has comments about how smart you guys are and awesome things. Very nice. Yeah, I so. appreciate it. I mean, I'm learning a ton from hanging out with you guys. You're definitely challenging me. So I just appreciate that. If nothing else, if nobody listened, I would still want to keep doing this just to be challenged. Heck yeah. That's why I'm glad people listen. Gives us an excuse. I know, right? We're not just lame now. <laughs> I think the four of us do very different types yeah. of work or we're all in, in different roles. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's not just the four of us jamming out on, I did this. Oh yeah, I did that too. Yeah. It's, it's, we all have very different perspectives, I think, which yeah. is great. I agree. Heck yeah. I agree, cool. agree. All right. This episode of Working Code was brought to you by FTPing files to your production server. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and listeners like you. So this episode of Working Code was brought to you by Sunshine Up Your Butt and listeners like you. We cannot do that. <laughs> we totally can. <laughs> we just did. Okay. This episode of Working Code was brought to you by being promoted out to pasture. and <laughs> <laughs> Listeners like you. If you like what we're doing here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon. All right. Well, then this episode of Working Code was brought to you by the Instagram filter that makes you look like a dirty slob. <laughs> and listeners like wait, you. Wait, wait. That's really me. <laughs> that's just the no filter. No filter. That's, that's no filter. Well, this is the part of the episode where I tell you that uh, Working Code was brought to you by 36 poop emojis. Definitely not the mm-hmm. password to my email account. <laughs> this episode of Working Code was brought to you by Big Email. If it didn't happen in email, it didn't happen. <laughs> and listeners like you I was just going to say it sounds like this is the part of the episode where I tell you that uh, this episode of Working Code is brought to you by microwaving your to-do list uh, <laughs> and listeners like you this episode of Working Code was brought to you by Hansel he's so hot right now hey I like it I like it well this episode of Working Code is brought to you by non-fungible developers that's NFDs <laughs> So this episode of Working Code is brought to you by wearing pants to bed, just in case you get paged at 3 a.m. <laughs> Fact. This episode of Working Code was brought to you by changing your coworkers' keyboard language while they're in the middle of a demo. <laughs> the marathon made me think of nipples, which made me think of my internship. And years ago, when I I was in college, I got this internship at this at a web development company and like day two the one of the women who was like a founding partner at the company she had just had a baby mm-hmm. and so she was nursing a lot so she sent me to the store to get her nipple cream because her she was all <laughs> chafed oh it's and awful it, yeah it was it was not something like you know a 20 you ever thought right boy yeah. <laughs> feels comfortable doing you're like, I thought I was going to be getting you coffee, <laughs> not nipple not cream. Nipple cream. <laughs> Did you offer to apply it for her? <laughs> no. <laughs> Need some help? You mean check those out for you? I'm a professional here. Oh, I know what they're supposed to look like. <laughs> this is back when he was doing kinky solutions stuff, right? <laughs> oh, boy. This, this is pre-kinky solutions. Oh, was it? Oh, wow. This is what inspired yeah. kinky solutions. <laughs> What was funny is Carol's face when you said talking about marathons made me think of nipples. It is a common complaint, though, for people usually who do for guys though. running. Yeah, when they're running. Oh, is it just for guys? I didn't realize that because their shirts rub against it. We usually have on bras. Uh, yeah. That's pretty tight. I just assumed that was mm-hmm. like everybody's chafing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes no, you're, you see dudes running down the road, and there's just like blood. streams of blood yeah. on their shirts coming out of their nipples. <laughs> Anybody need a break or anything? It's like when you hear about the that was it like an it was that NASA pilot. That drove down from like New, oh, yeah, yeah. New York to Florida on. or something with a with a diaper she went on. Crazy. Well, yeah. part of you is like, yeah, she's bad shit crazy. But then part of me is like, but is she also <laughs> kind of a genius? Like, no. <laughs> how much time could no. I be no. saving by wearing a diaper? <laughs> no, it doesn't take that long to pull over no. and go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, yeah. you're not a female. Yeah. Do you, do you know what old people taste like, Ben? Okay. Oh, God. I I have to pause here for a second because my dog, like, really wants to get up into her pee-pee bed, so I'm just going to let her do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lucy. This episode of Working Co. was brought to you by Lucy's pee-pee bed. Yeah. (laughs) It's not by her... Dogs who pee on things. It's not by her hump rug or... 
Oh my god, <laughs> she's such a doofus. <laughs> and now she's but sniffing she's around. Your- like, oh, why does it smell so weird up here? <laughs> okay, so so I was looking at the doc. And you were reading off everything and I couldn't see like the last little two bullet points. And I was like, man, Adam, why don't you just scroll? And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's mine. You're not like screen sharing this. That's funny. I was like, why don't I just scroll? And yeah, so I mean, basically when it started to get swollen, I stopped using it because I was like, okay, I might. Uh, I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Can we take that out of context, please? I <laughs> just did. Can we please take that out of context? Yes. All right. that, needs to be, that needs to be a blooper reel right there. Mm-hmm. When I stopped using my laptop, how do I even say this now? <laughs> Whatever. So, so bringing it back to Facebook. Hey, is somebody what? making a zipper sound? Yes, Tim is. Yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. That's me. There's another I, blooper I, for you. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I, so when I went to TJ Maxx, I got, I got these North Face pants and they have all these zippers and I'm just enamored with them. Oh. So, all right. Hands out of your zipper. Okay. Come on, Tim. Oh, oh wow. This show. Okay. I had brought up the uh, when Swix was on, he had talked about the Rogers curve adoption. Yeah, I found that a little fascinating because I'm I'm such a laggard on like everything. Okay, I don't know if anyone's different. Maybe it wouldn't be interesting if we're all the same. I think I'm different. I I I'm. You seem to be an early adopter. Of I'm an early adopter. I think like I would like to be an early adopter, but I live in like an early majority world. <laughs> Not, not world, but like, I you know, it. I work in an early majority company. I'm no, no, a material just, yeah. girl. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Should I bring it home? Bring, bring it, it home, Dad. <sighs> All right. Dad bod. Oh, God. You guys are making me cringe so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, leave your shirt on. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I want to look to see how many emails I actually have. Work emails. I have, <laughs> I have currently in my work inbox. 5,082 oh messages. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so that's work, 5,082. And yes. my personal email has 29,600. Those are all unread. Yes. Oh, my God, Ben. I feel like I get 19 emails a day just from the Democratic National <laughs> Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. You got to get better at those unsubscribes, Ben. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yep. so Joe Biden is constantly reaching out and pleading. Yes, I am once yes. again reaching out uh-huh. to ask for your support. <laughs> Please help me. Joe Biden. That was oh. a terrible Bernie impression. I'm sorry. I had a thought, you guys. Uh, we were discussing, like, what do we want to do for our one year anniversary show? Yeah. I came up with an idea. I got an idea. All right. We're going to pivot and we're going to become. An unboxing podcast. <laughs> no. Carol's just like. <laughs> just going to take apart cold box stuff? No. No, no. Just going to buy stuff and open it on here. And then I get Perfect. it to do it as a tax write off. I will do it if people send me boxes for free. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.